If Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Sure, America's first. Blah, blah, blah. The blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Blah, blah, blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Blah, blah, blah. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. When 3% of the population does something, it becomes a positive epidemic. And so I'm amazingly committed to see our planet suddenly shift where people begin to really honor each other in, in their deep humanity. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We're going to be chatting with Heidi Schleifer, Heidi Schleifer, a little bit later. Uh, good chat, fun chat, sweet lady. Um, taught us some communication skills and insisted we put on our webcams up close and personal in our face so she could see our eyes, which we obliged. And then little eye gaze. And then on another night like tonight, we can't get the internet to work for one video stream. So there you have it. Anyway, it's a fantastic chat. We got everybody's uh, favorite little podcaster here. Ground Nice. Now that's not connecting with me eye to eye like Heidi would suggest. You're just laughing Everybody's at me. Everybody's favorite little podcast. Well, it's karma in a way. I don't know why, why I keep saying little. I got it stuck in my head now. I keep saying little ground. That's okay. But remember you call him Brody or little 195 pounds little. Are you? I'm like 163. No, I'm like, yeah, I'm, depends. Around 192 now. And then it depends. Are you? You look solid. Yeah, feeling solid. You won the championship. I did, yeah. The Mammoth. Yeah, you guys have won the cup. You won the ball hockey cup. We're in the lowest division league, so it's pretty pretty easy stuff. We we trounced everybody. It's pretty unfair actually. Really? Yeah. Are you guys playing are you guys playing down a division? Yeah. Well not I don't know if it was on you purpose. Guys are those we have guys? a really good team. No, we had a good chemistry. It was it was great. Like I don't think it was planned that way. Huh. <laughs> I you seem like the guys that would be like Come on, let's just blow a couple of games here. They'll put us in the CC. We'll go undefeated. No, 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 no. Anyway, you look good with your cup. Are you the cha- are you the captain? No. Did you score any winning goals? Uh, yeah. Uh, was that the winning goal? I don't know if I got the winner. I got close. I got a couple. Did uh, Did you guys do anything weird with the cup? No. Peanut. No. Eat ice cream out of it. No. It's not like your Stanley Cup. No, no, nothing crazy happened. Looks like the guy behind you was a little wacky. Yeah, in the picture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got photo bomb. Was that a puck bunny? What's that? Was that a puck bunny? <laughs> I don't know. What do you? What is the Urban Dictionary? You're just quoting people in the chat room. Right. I saw I those. I saw. I was keeping an eye on you. that. Yeah. There's Actually, some... that guy that was in the picture. I think he was going to go play uh, university level ice hockey. He's a really good player. Really? Yeah, we're starting the summer season in the big rink, so there's more running. Sweet. Yeah. Let me know if you ever need a goalie. Okay. I'm a pretty good goalie. Yeah. Do you have to wear equipment? Yeah, oh yeah, you uh, have to wear equipment. You get broken bones and shit if you don't wear equipment. Isn't it just tennis ball? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, I told we've had this discussion before. What is it? Is it an orange ball? Well, of course, yeah. They break bones. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> 
Maybe when it's minus 40 outside, <laughs> if you get a slab shot and it hits you in your pinky finger, then maybe you're breaking. No, my way. buddy broke his face on a shot. You don't need hit in the face. What? But we used to play with those orange balls when we were 10 years old. Yeah, but those are probably the softer. These are harder and heavier. Um, but I bet the heaviest, heaviest sort of balls. I could play goalie. I'm a real good goalie. Yeah, that's good. Especially if I don't have to wear skates. Yeah. I was the all-star goalie in gym class. Oh, yeah? I'm very poor just at running around. All no, over yeah, place. Just I could just imagine. Stuff. <laughs> sticking up limbs. I could just, <laughs> just, I could just picture your lanky <laughs> body. like, the... luckily hit something. Yeah. And then I thought it would translate into ice hockey. No, it doesn't. No. And I was it's... just, I played one game. <laughs> I went in that one game, and I was like, never again. I think we were playing, and I was like, the the game I went in net for was a game we were playing with the uh, with the kids, like the the mighty mites or whatever, like the seven year old kids. And they and, still translate. Oh yeah, and it was like everyone's like, oh yeah, way to let the kids go. <laughs> but it was like I couldn't stop the puck. They scored at me from the other end of the ice. After the face off, it was like coming down, and I went out to, and I just went like through my skates. It's yeah. All, yeah. The skates make it all weird. Yeah, and you can't slide properly. Yeah. Well, but it's the opposite for me if I'm playing hockey. Then I'd much rather be on skates than running around. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easier There's like no gliding. It's especially easier. on a big rink like that. And it's no easier gliding. like cross check people and push them around when you can dig your skates in and get a little, you know. Picture picture little podcaster <laughs> Graham playing in the Germany in the worlds where where the we're in Olympic size rink. So that much wider. Here's, I'm trying, to, a little trying to cover fucking guys. They're like running around <laughs> 10 feet away from me. I, I actually see. had a pretty good tournament. Your little but... legs would just be oh, yeah. fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been the goalie. I said, I can't handle the run around. I mean, I'm a decent hockey player, but I got to be on skates. Actually, you know, it'd be interesting now, five years later, after not smoking. Yeah. Yeah. On skates, though. Still on skates. So you might go play with Kale. He's been bugging me to come out. Right on. Yeah. The only thing is, if you don't commit to the season, then you just get hurt right away. Like, yeah. I don't think I could just go like, hey, come by tonight. We need another defenseman. Yeah. And it's like, you're just going to get... Clobbered. Well, hopefully, I don't think I'm going to start. I'm not going to play any contact for a couple <laughs> of years. Jesus, <laughs> like, you get just fucking clobbered. Nah, I don't need that. I'm too old to get clobbered. I the nose uh, last what? night. You did? Yeah. Well, it's broken. Yeah. Well, it's been broken before. My face is still sore too, so I don't know if I'm still talking weird. I don't know if you got your <laughs> accent on. Yeah, I don't know if I'm still got my 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 accent for you there, racist Graham. <laughs> we got actually a lot of feedback on that one. Pretty good. But I feel like my yeah, it's taken a while to come back. It's still a little swollen over here. But I don't think it's infected anymore. I think it's just at the point now where you got a tooth ripped out of your head. So you're dealing you with a the big open hole wound. I had to get yeah. a stitch. Yeah. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nasty. So hopefully by next week, it's back to normal. Because I'm going to the States. If it starts hurting the States, then what? You think dentists are cheaper in the States? No, I don't think so. Same price? No, maybe. Be uh, I don't know. No. I think it's similar. Because it's a... You know what it is here is the prices are inflated because everyone has work coverage. Yeah. Now, if you don't have work coverage. That's the problem. Like, I mean, fuck. my girlfriend doesn't have work coverage and it costs her a fortune. You don't have her on your plan? Not yet, no. Yeah. 
What's your deal, man? Well, you have to you have to be. It takes a certain amount of time living together before you to do it. We just crossed the threshold. <laughs> Isn't it six months? No, it's a year. Really? Yeah. She wouldn't fudge the numbers for you. I wouldn't let her fudge the numbers. Oh wow! Fine, upstanding, Graham. So what do you got? Enough of this crap about us. Yeah, exactly. This isn't about us. No. But we got lots of content to push out. So this may be a shorter intro than normal. Oh, we got it's, like six episodes to release in the next three weeks. And we leave in two weeks. Yeah. For Well, well let's talk about that. Contacted the cabin. Sold out. Kind of like the conference with Randall Carlson and a bunch of awesome people sold out. We did it. We, we did the draws last week, so everybody's all settled. Every slot is filled. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. We're leaving in two weeks to Colorado. Driving. Both of us driving. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that leaves uh, that open to that's done. We're done talking about that. I guess next time we talk about that, we'll be telling you about how great it hopefully went. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. We got the ability to try three events over the 10 days, so that gives us a bit bit of time to adjust on the fly. So we get to go into 2020 with uh, three events what, under... What do you mean by that? Like the three trimesters of the 10-day yeah. event? Yeah, yeah, because each trimester, if something doesn't go well, you have got you can change it up a little bit for the next one and then change well, it up. Well, because there'll be a few people get, there the whole time, but most people are coming in for one trimester only, right? All guests are one trimester. Oh, I thought there was a couple people except staying for, the whole time. Except for one. Oh, okay. Two. There are some people staying the whole time, but those are like... Uh, volunteers. Volunteers or, or helpers yeah, or stuff yeah. like that. So, should be good. Yeah. Looking forward to so it. So you get to, if something doesn't, you know, we'll have the ability. I feel like we get three years worth of events in one year. Yeah. To try little things. Anyway, you don't have to wait a whole year to try that thing again. So anyway, looking forward to that. That should go great. Already looking. Now we can start thinking about the next one, which will probably be next April. David Matheson wants to do one in Bryce Canyon. We had talked about doing it in September. I can't handle the stress of trying to sell another one of these things out in three or four months. It's just too tight. We'll just push it out to next year. Yeah. But I could see us doing a couple next year. Yeah, it's hard to say if the 10-day thing will be the model to with go Matheson, with. I, I think mean, we're I, can't do, just a I can't do more than one 10-day thing. I mean, that's all there is to it. So then that's, that's your holidays. And, you know, we got to retire Graham, yeah, the, yeah. the GoFundMe Graham. Yeah. Speaking of that, thanks for all your support, everybody. Oh, we you couldn't do all right. this without, without everybody. We went through a little cord today, like a $17 cord, trying to figure out, troubleshoot what was wrong with our audio, and that's a cord. Again, another cord. So we have to replace the cords, but we couldn't do without you guys. Michael likes to make fun of us for having too many cords. This is why. So this cord breaks, and, and I have one in my instantly go to another briefcase. cord because go, we got oh, you... six of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. That's well, the if last I go through, one. No, there's more in that. Drawer. Of that type? Well, the problem is now I'm bad at throwing stuff out. So you mean not I, throwing I stuff pull out? six of them there. And they're all not and working? three of them oh work and three Are you going to fix them eventually or? I don't know. I still have that other charger that I couldn't get working last week. And the keyboard doesn't well, work. Well, whatever. What if the, the keyboard doesn't work? I bought batteries. The keyboard doesn't work. Like, it's a lot of little glitches going on. Yeah. And now we're driving across country. Four states. Yeah. It's an amazing drive. Yeah. Is it's it? going to be phenomenal. Yeah. That's good. Just following that one road the whole way down pretty much? Like, through Salt Lake City through through Utah. I'm not going through Salt Lake City. You're not going to do that one? Well, I got you're, a, you're not going through Denver, are you? That's I got a way. buddy that's a cop in Utah. And he said the trick to do is to go to Heber City. 
and you get on the other side of the canyon. Oh, Heber City? Or he, I think it's Heber City. So you don't think stopping in Utah overnight would be a good... I'm staying like, in, in Heber sorry, City. Sorry, sorry, uh, Salt Lake City would be a good He run? said getting out of Salt Lake City in the morning is going to be a gong show. Yeah, well, just sleep in. Yeah, it's only like seven and a half hours to the venue from Salt Lake City. So you could sleep in a bit. But you got to be out of Salt Lake City by... You're going to have to be out of there fairly early in the morning. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. I need to go to Heber City. He said it's a bit of a nicer drive too. Okay, well, so you gotta that, tell me, talk to, tell, tell me about that little trick. Is that is that just uh, taking an offshoot at that one little spot there? Yeah, or? just zigzags around Salt Lake City. That's okay, it. Okay. <laughs> and then on the way oh, back, oh, there it is, Heber City. Yeah. So you're gonna take a, you're gonna take the 84 to Ogden then probably. Yeah, and then on the way back, I'm gonna go up through Colorado longer and go through like Grand. Oh, you gonna do that one really? <clears throat> Not through Denver though. I'm oh. gonna go through Grand Junction, and there's that like dinosaur monument. I'm gonna take the kids to. Yeah. And then we're gonna go through dip into Yellowstone quick. Nice. And see, just probably go see Old Faithful quick and stuff. I don't know how, if I can get to the waterfall, I'd like to see the waterfall. I heard it's spectacular, but I want to at least go see the geyser and stuff. Nice. Yeah, there seems to be lots to do around that area. Oh, dude. Like, you should from, see from... some of the stuff I'm looking at. The Canyonlands looks amazing. Uh, Monument of the Ancients or Monument Valley we go through looks amazing. And then there's the Arch one too. Hmm. Be a great trip, great road trip. Yep. So yeah, thanks to everyone who bought tickets for that, and thanks to everyone who supports the show because you guys are, the, you know, all that stuff puts these little things into motion that eventually become Grab America's first fucking conference in Colorado. We we're able to put down, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, which was from ticket sales, sure, but. It all comes from the growth we put together here, you know, yeah. as a team with yeah. you guys, the listeners, and we've put together something big enough that we can go pick out a place, you know, in, in the States and, and well, put on an event. Not only that, but honestly, like I'm going to get a little serious here. It's, it's probably more important now than ever. I mean, I've been sort of paying attention to a little bit of the stuff going on in the mainstream media here. And like, I think that there's a really big pushback against independent media like like ourselves. And we're not even big enough to be pushed back on right now but i've seen some scary scary fake news about guys like sargon of akkad they're pasting together four clips of him putting it completely out of context and calling him like a pedo and trying to say he like he said these things about young boys and it's and it's all completely i've i've, I've seen a complete deconstruction of it yeah, I've seen that too. And, it, and it's it's scary what is actually people are actually willing to do when they don't realize it's going to be out there. People are going to know that it's that it's that they're doing this, that it's fake. Like they're biting well, themselves in the, the foot. That's part of the thing we were talking really about earlier weird. is it's happening so fast that you know these little two minute video clips on Twitter have become these new like next memes level of true. memes, like where I can just. Like we were watching some of them today about the bar hearing or watching some about the censorship or about news. And it's just like, I don't think they can keep up with it. Part of me thinks that's why it's getting so blatant. Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, even Tim Pool. So, the, like, we follow the No Agenda guys and their news deconstruction 
And you can't do that on YouTube now. Tim Pool cannot do that on YouTube. It's like he's playing that balderdash game. What's that game where I have to say things and you have to guess? So I'm going to talk about this news story, but I can't talk about it. So there's a guy in the Second World War who led an army. you got to guess who it is. Hitler. Well, don't say it. Oh, you know, now see now he'd be you know yeah, but that's that's the way that's the way he's got to do his his his, his new, when he talks about a news story. So the news is making it where, and YouTube is obviously part of this. You can't talk about a news story on YouTube. Only the news people, the mainstream news, are going to be able to talk about the news. So they're going to con- try and control the narrative. And if you start to deconstruct it or you show how fake it is on YouTube, you cannot dis- discuss the article. At least on YouTube. And even Discord now. I mean, Count Dankula was taken off of Discord. So you can't even... But here's the thing. Even people on the on the other side of the political spectrum are doing um, not sarcastic uh, irony. Satire. Irony. Satire. They can't even talk about Hitler in irony because now they're getting banned. So they're getting frustrated. Like, why am I getting banned? Well, you just said last year... That you should be banning people for talking about Hitler and irony. Now you're doing it, for example. So it's getting fucking crazy out there. And like, if we were bigger, we'd be in trouble. But right now we're just flying under the radar and we're not even that controversial. But what we talk about vaccines and global warming and that's enough. That's it. That's enough. Well, you know, all they got to do is say, deplatform all the anti-vaxxers. And how are you categorizing an anti-vaxxer? Like, we're not anti-vax. We're just, we're just. I'm pretty anti-vax. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to lie. I'll, own, I'll wear that shirt. Yeah. But, yeah, but they earned it. I no, mean, but, come yeah, on. I know, but. Anyway. Yeah. Let's not, let's. <clears throat> anyways, you know what I mean. That, this is why we need your support more than ever, because we got some ideas. But they're just calling anybody that questions the narrative of anti-vaxxers, I guess my point, is we're talking to people that, you know. We get their own, once we got our own servers. Anyways, get it's getting, this is all happening pretty quick and it's to. getting pretty scary. Like, you know, now all of a sudden you can't even talk about a news story on YouTube without getting demonetized. I mean, Tim Pool, he's been pushing back a lot against the fake news, so this is going to affect him. The beauty of being value for value is That's we right. don't care if fucking YouTube demonetizes us. Yeah. As I mean, long they, as you guys don't, yeah, but they can shadow ban us and stuff. I mean, that's the oh, problem. They've I mean, already right now, us. right now, they've at least, at least this is going out in audio, and that's what people. The, that's the majority of our listenership, so it doesn't really affect us right now. But you know, obviously, the YouTube is another platform that we're on, and it it, it does help for you know, it does help for SEO and and popularity, and um, you know, it's a it's another way. But I mean, soon we're that's gonna have to be on not going know, the ad route. It's true. I mean, we are. The only way, yeah, we're supported completely by you, the listener, the producers of the show, like No Agenda says, really, and we can't do it without you. Yeah, and, and that's, that's how we, we ran our conference, too. Yeah. It yeah. was paid for by the attendees, you know, we didn't, there's no sponsors, there's no anything. It's yeah. like, okay, everything costs this much, so tickets have to be that much. Yeah. I guess that's probably how all conferences work. No, 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 the sponsorship, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We take the value for value to the conference level. Yeah. Well, and that's why we do these little intros. We get people involved, the people that are supporting the show, and they send in emails and stories and synchronicities and sightings and crazy experiences and talk about it. That's right. Let's go with... Oh. I got some social media. You're not allowed on social media. I got some, I got some stuff. 
No, that's not the one I'm doing. Oh. So we got America. Uh, not that. Not that. Why would Darren tell a subscriber to GFY for no apparent reason? What does GFY mean? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, that's true. Maybe he is just another a-hole. That's my take. Original Larry. Probably. That's a possibility. I can definitely be just another a-hole. You th did you say that? I don't know. I can't remember. I think you did, yeah. I, I, did, I think did. he was joking. I mean, it's not like he's seriously doing that. But even still, some people are going to... He's working on it. I'm working he's on working it. He's working on it. I'm working on your, it. Your space is invading my space. And Number 345 from Jeremy. Gentlemen, brilliant guest selection. Carlson, Hancock are fascinating and highly educational to listen to. All of YouTube in the world is owes you. Kind of got a little crazy at the end there, but I just read them. Uh, holy cow. Great work, guys. The kind of roots of social wisdom that Graham curates could make him a popular radical political candidate. Of course, that's Graham Hancock, not yeah. you. <laughs> Has anyone found a link to the Baltic Sea Anomaly? It looks artificial and would have been above water 13,000 years ago. I'm wondering if it could be astrologically aligned as well. Was the Baltic Sea Anomaly above water 13,000 years ago? I'm not sure I believe that. Oh, mate, is Can that the Millennium Falcon? Check how deep it is, the Baltic Sea Anomaly. Ah, from friend of the show, Dakashido, who's been following us on YouTube for years. You won't get dry socket. But make sure they don't fill the socket with cadaver bone because it might not because it might work its way out later. Whoa, what? They actually asked me. I don't think they used. They asked you if they want to use a cadaver bone. What think, does that mean? I don't a dead think they use bone, a skeleton. I, I don't think they use cadaver bone in Canada. It was like a little piece of steel or something. They're gonna, but it could have been cadaver, and I just missed that he said it was a piece of cadaver. Anyway, the, he asked me if I wanted to, because he's like, well, the bone could recede. And then if you ever want to get an implant, you could do this, you, you know, it won't be there. So if you put this thing there, we sew it in there and then it stops the bone from receding because it thinks there's a tooth still there. Can't they just use like. And I was just like, well, how long does that take? And he's like, oh, it takes five minutes, maybe 10. I'm like, how much does that cost? Like $600. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm good. Anyway, root canals are dead teeth. They allow bacteria to live in the jaw. They can cause bone cancer and heart problems. Way better off taking it out. You'll chew fine, but as you age, you'll see a depression in your face. Ah, I was just going to say something about that. I saw this, uh, <clears throat> I saw this uh, video on a guy that, a young kid that started doing something with his tongue when he was like 13 or no, what is he, eight or eight or nine, I think, and he had this, round looking face like nice looking kid right and something happened where he's putting his tongue on the bottom of his mouth or whatever and his whole face def changed shape Jeez. and we ended up like graduating from high school he looked like a completely different guy no chin and all kinds of stuff like and i guess this is similar like Don't so point at me. is he saying that i was pointing at your phone <laughs> is he saying that uh not, right now if you don't fill it up it's gonna your oh, deform your face maybe. is gonna deform 
I don't know. Hopefully that's not what he's saying. I'm going to get, I think I, I told him to just price out some bridges because I think our dental will pay 50% of it. I might even have to get one a year depending on how much they cost. Yeah, the, yeah you only get like a couple thousand a year in insurance. So. Yeah. yeah. And then between them and my tribe and myself, <laughs> I might trying. just get one a year. Let's get one side done, one side done. Not having a, it's annoying. It's bugging me. I might get well, used to it. Well, you got to let it heal first. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's true too. Anyway, enough of my whining about my sore mouth. Uh, so that uh, Baltic Sea anomaly is 200 feet down, they say. Wow. Got to find a dentist that uses ozone. Oh, sorry. No, I'm wrong. That was the that was the diameter of the place. Oh. Got to find a dentist that uses ozone. That's the only way a root canal can be done successfully, period. There's no reason not to use it. And besides, it's really the way to not seal all that bad bacteria back up inside the body. Basically, all of Japan's dentists that do root canals use O3. I'd use the collodial silver and some miracle mineral supplement, which is sea silver, cures Ebola for the U.S. Air Force, and MMS cures cancer, autism. Holy cow. Uh, he kind of lost me there at the end. Anyway, he says, you're the one in control of your health. Peace. Uh, gram overload. Two grams. You can't go wrong. Mr. Hancock has a wonderful balance between self-deprecating humility and righteously indignant insistence. I got some. Okay, you take it over. Synchro, just this is from the Instagram on the Graham Hancock uh, episode. Synchro, just as Darren was talking about going to the dentist, I was filling my Valium script. Darren, use Kratom for pain, not perks. You can even use ketamine as it's an NDMA antagonist. Joking about the perks. And not addictive like opioids, because everybody was giving you. I know, I was joking. Giving you shit about the perks. Well, you did ask the I dentist. I would have taken for, a perk if you did. You did ask him. Yeah. Well, so you're not joking. Well, I'm kind you of joking. <laughs> what a guy. I was joking, but not really what I asked him. If you would have given it to me, it's okay. But otherwise, I was joking. I swear, you guys are the most badass out of this world, down-to-earth, legit, genuine podcast out there, and they're so fucking grateful for everything you guys do. Nothing off limits. Except perks, apparently. Fantastic. Graham's work has been a huge influence. This is fantastic. Congratulations. Of course, Graham's shirts are on their way to our handler, Alan. We'll make sure they get hand-delivered in Sedona. I got him a black one and a blue one. Nice. Yeah. Baby blue? Yeah. When he gets home, we'll send him a sweater. Nice. So what else you got, buddy? Well, I got a couple small Can emails here and a couple quotes. What do you want first? And now another edition of the Grind American Goodies by the people. the people. So is that, what is that, emails then? Or? What? Is that jingle for emails? Yes. Come on. You can't sort that out? By now? It's only been, you know, actually our six-year anniversary. Oh, this is pretty funny. You know, we should actually maybe talk about that our six-year anniversary is coming up. Uh, yeah, at the end of the month, right? Yeah. Yeah, after CAC. Yeah, that's right. No, it's during CAC. <clears throat> yeah, technically. May 23rd. The No Agenda guys always get, like, anniversary stuff. We never, we never talk about it. I know, we should. We're just like, more. oh, we went by our anniversary. Yeah, we should do that more. Show so, 350 is coming up, like. It might be this show 350 
could be on the five-year anniversary. I can make that happen. No, I can't because five-year anniversary is last year. Six-year anniversary. Six-year anniversary. Yeah. So this is synchronicity jingle synchro. What? Yeah. Why didn't you say that before? I, put... I know. Sorry, dude. Just play it and I'll, I'll hey, play Hey, Graham, I'll get right to it. I was having a conversation with my wife about synchronicities the other evening during a commercial break. When all of a sudden the car commercial Cancel comes on. Cancel your cable. When all of a sudden the car commercial comes on with a song that was sampled for the little Ramblin' Graham segment. Oh, I forgot to get you to play that one. We should we should play that. What jingle? The ramble the synchronicity Ramblin' Graham. <laughs> I'm a Ramblin' Graham with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Gitmo yo-ho. Okay. Get off your phone. That's awesome. So I was, uh, so, so he includes a link in, uh, for the commercial in the, in the thing. And he says, I couldn't help but laugh and audibly say, wow, I figured I had to share says uh thanks for thanks for all the hard work you guys do you obviously put into the podcast and I'll be upping my monthly ASAP much obliged yeah if you want to give us a, our yearly review and decide that maybe you know we add a little value I'm a traveling man. <laughs> Don't play too much of that. Um, interesting. That is a sinker. Okay, I'll give that a 6.92. And uh, go to the quote. You got another one. I got another one. I think it's another synchronicity, actually. I mean, let me just check here. For some reason, it's not really showing up in the right spot. Let me go back to my emails. Synchronicity question mark. Oh, this is kind of cool, actually. Twitter's no longer a viable option to contact the show. Really? Yeah. It's too much of a mess. It's like too much. I can't keep up. I can't keep up with the Twitter anymore. I just can't. Yeah. Unless, yeah, I just can't. Okay. Hey, guys. Wanted to share a little something with you both. I've spent a lot of my life feeling like I don't quite fit in with my peers. Like my brain is on some other wavelength. Hold that thought. <laughs> This is why you got to join the chats. Yes. Grimerica.ca slash chats. Yeah. Because the socials are getting too crazy to keep up with. Oh, that's a good point. So yeah, yeah. actually it is a good way to get a hold of us is through the chats. We're not in the chats very often either, but <laughs> if you add us in the chats, yeah. you know, then we're guaranteed to get it. Yeah. Twitter, I can't go through a hundred ads a day. I just yeah. can't. I feel like I have a never-ending thirst for knowledge and can and to be subjected to perspectives I never would have considered. Your podcast has done just that for me. Recently, I've been taking your podcast to heart and doing my own research afterwards to form my own opinions. I've fallen down many rabbit holes, learned more about myself than ever before, and I've even supported some of your guests by reading their books. Anyways... Anyway, the feeling of unleashing this new part of my brain is present, and recently I've started seeing owls. I live in the desert of Arizona, and I've never seen an owl here like others I know say it happens, but not often. 
For three days now, I've seen owls near my house on my way to the gym and now perched high atop of my work buildings as I leave for the day. Jesus. That would creep the fuck out of me. <laughs> I started to wonder if this could have more of a symbolic meaning and did a little research. What I found immediately made me think of both of you and your show. Of you both in your show, yeah. I feel like owls are letting me know <laughs> I'm on to something. Even though I feel like I think so differently the most. Thank you for all you do. P.S. I'm going to attach the video I took of one of them flying away. I think it's a great horned owl. It will be shit quality, but I hope it works and you can watch it. So beautiful. Shay. So thanks, Shay. And then it, and then she attached, a, or he, uh an image of the meaning of owls and then the video of actually it's quite an amazing video as she looks, turns the camera to the owl on the top of the building and it just goes, spreads its wings and just flies off the building right when she was videotaping it. Pretty cool. If I've you been see, seeing a lot of hawks lately. Oh yeah? Let's not go down that road again. <laughs> if you see owls often, it can be an important message. If you've been seeing owls frequently in your daily life, this means you've tapped into deeper knowledge and your intuitive wisdom. The owl symbolizes ancient wisdom, maturity, and strength of character and can guide us into exploring the unknowns about life. There you have it. That's perfect. Check Actually, out an interview with Mike Clellan for more that's on that. synchro, really. You want to rate that? Uh, uh, no. I mentioned uh, Mike Clellan on tour. wonder what number it was. I don't know. We should have a list. We yeah. can just get to those episode numbers to be given to people all the time. Yeah. You know what the other problem is? If you're using the Apple Podcast app, it cuts out at like episode 65 or something. You can't download further past the feed? No. Yeah, there must be a setting in there. So. No. <clears throat> really? In Overcast, it shows up. Wow. A couple of the other podcast players that shows up at the Apple one, I haven't found a way to make it display after 300. It'll display the latest 300. The late, oh, that's how it does it, yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. So that's another thing to think about. If you're on the uh, Apple podcast app and you think you listen to the whole back catalog, you might not have. So check it, and also just check out the back catalog. A lot of content there. For free. For free. All for free. We do have another stream of content, black budget content, for any value you want to pay. Value for value. There's it's some got extra some good, value we throw some at good you. good stuff in there, too. For recognizing the first value we gave you. Yeah. Okay, I got a quote. A couple All quotes. right. Let's get out of here. Down and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. Okay, let's uh, shut her down. It's a we got we got to change. We got to get a new quote jingle. It's not a UFO quote anymore. That's it. Yeah, but it'll always remind people that it used to be. That's true. It appears quite clear. We can't lose the quote and the jingle or people will ride in the streets. That irrespective of what interpretation is given to specific research reports, the overall results of psychic experimentation are indicative of an anomalous process of information transfer. 
and they are not marginal, and neither are they impossible to replicate. In the face of this, the critic, who merely goes on asserting there is no evidence for psychic phenomena, is using a tactic reminiscent of Mohammed Sal Saeed al-Salaf, Iraq's former information minister, and blindly asserting that there are no American troops in Baghdad. Well, that's weird. I didn't get the end of that. I didn't read to the end of that quote before I chose it. Kind of finished off a little weird. <laughs> but that was Adrian Parker, Gothenburg University Professor of Psychology, and Goran Broswitz of the Swedish Society for Psychical Research. The reason I chose that is because it was about the, um, you know, the information transfer, which is kind of appropriate to Heidi Schleifer because she talks about the space in between us, right? The interactive, the way that my, I think it's my, the way I think of it is my energy body interacting with your energy body. No. I know, I know, but I, that's what it makes me think of. And bring your energy body with you. You don't bring anything with you when you come into my space. (laughs) (laughs) Just love. Just love. Just bring love. That's it. It's fucking harder than it sounds. It is, yeah. But no, it's really interesting. Uh, without solving the problems, without offering yeah. advice. Yeah, just coming in with your presence and your love. Now, the relationship is a different thing that lives in the space. But when you're going to someone, you got to cross that bridge into their space with nothing. You can't bring your energy being nothing. No, your energy body's always with you, though. It's 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 around me. It's my aura that's around me now. It's interloping and overlapping with your aura. Keep your fucking energy being off of me, all right? You're, you see, you're going to go offending people with those F-bombs already. No, I don't care. You're, you're, okay. you're making it weird. Okay, whatever. Just be present with me and love me. Just keep your energy body off my energy body and we'll be fine. <laughs> There's no overlapping. Interloping. There's no interloping. I might have used the wrong word there. Uh, Long day in the studio. Yeah, long day. No more quotes. No more quotes? No, I'm not going to say the other one. No more anything, then. I've had enough of this. This is enough for tonight. We're out of here. Yeah, this was a fun one with Heidi. Yeah, it was a great episode. Another great night of podcasting. The live stream broke down, but the podcast remains. So enjoy the chat. Heidi Schleifer. for a bit of a treat tonight. We've got Heidi Schleifer with us. She's a psychotherapist, a trainer, a relationship coach, 
coach, a workshop presenter, motivational speaker, and basically she's an expert in the art of relationships and conflict dissolution. And uh, yeah, we've we've experienced uh, learning about her work through uh, relationships and counseling and stuff like that. So we thought we'd have Heidi on to uh, to talk about this, to get into it a little deeper. So welcome to the show, Heidi. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. And I want to tell you, my name is pronounced like the country, Haiti. Haiti, that's right. Yeah. I, I had it in my head and I, I always mispronounce the, the guest <laughs> name. That's a, it's a normal thing. At least 10% of the time. Yeah. Part of relationship, you know, is for me to let you know. Exactly. And you know, that's how it goes. I can take it. I can take the criticism. That's right. I get it from this guy all the time. Don't point yeah, it. I, I am not a proponent of criticism. I think that it never really helps us. I think what does help us is feedback, but feedback is never critical. Constructive. It, it's always constructive. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do believe in feedback and honest feedback, but that is always very constructive. I think criticism simply hurts and I don't find it useful. Yeah, I agree. Mm. What, uh, so how could you approach that? What would be a good way to approach um, sort of non-criticism, I guess? Okay, so I just did a training in Sedona, Arizona. I teach people how to present to an audience. And uh, the course is called Presenting with Boldness, Poise, and Confidence. Because it's a scary thing, you know, to stand in front of people and talk. And so people will come up. So for example, one woman came up to say something she had learned. And I noticed that her shoulders were very, very tight. And so rather than to say to her, you know, uh, I'm noticing your shoulders are tight. I asked her if she could tell me where her voice was coming from. And she noticed that it was coming from her throat. And so I explained that all of us have an elevator inside of us that goes from the penthouse, which is our thinking, to the lobby, which is our feeling, to the basement where all our raw emotions are. And that many of us, when we talk, talk from the penthouse. And if we talk from the penthouse, then we are really expressing something very smart However, our shoulders will be very, very tight. And so then she immediately said, you know, it's very true. I live in my head and I really would like to learn how to take that elevator down to the lobby. And so she then proceeded to experiment what it would be like to speak from her lobby. And for that, she had to really relax her shoulders. And so she did some movements and relaxed her shoulders and began to really speak from a very different place than just her head. Now, I could have criticized what she said, but instead I asked her a question about the quality of her voice and she then noticed how tight her shoulders were. So I think what is more useful is to notice something, ask a question about it, and then assist the person in claiming the quality we would love to see them claim. 
criticism basically shuts us down and I don't think it helps. That's interesting. Yeah, it makes sense. So I shut you down sometimes, yeah? <laughs> That's okay. No I'm mind. sorry, buddy. Okay. I'll try and do better. <laughs> Ask me a question next time. <laughs> yeah, I watched, uh, we went to, me and my wife, my wife and I went to Lisa. I'm sure she's listening right now. Hi, baby. Um, we went to a, um, I guess an intensive, is that what they call them? When it was like, it was like a weekend uh, retreat. Uh, yeah. Weekend retreat for sex and couples therapy. And it was like 15 hours of sort of in group therapy sort of thing and doing stuff like that. And then, and then she sent us home, Victoria sent us home with, um, a PDF with, uh, bunch of videos to watch a lot of marshall rosenberg stuff which i'm sure sure you're very familiar with and yeah. uh, and one was your tel aviv your tel aviv talk on on okay. and, and what really stuck out to me was when you start talking about this the sacred space uh in between people and it, it kind of i mean it, it stands out to me for a lot of reasons for my my intimate relationships at home uh for my work relationships and even, I mean, culturally, it seems like, I mean, I don't know if it's a social media thing or if it's a political wins thing, but it seems like in the West we have this, it's, it's polluted everywhere. I mean, even just among strangers and among, it just seems like there's just a lot of, I don't know what the word for it is, but um, what's, maybe what's, I've what's polluted, the sacred space is yeah, polluted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder if that is part of what, is is causing more trouble in intimate relationships is this overflow from the culture or uh, what your thoughts are on on that sort of sacred space in between people because i is that a, a well, yeah let's start with that right right well first of all i want to tell you Aaron, that it means a lot to me that you uh that, that the concept was so meaningful to you and what happens, you know, when the space is polluted, it disconnects us. And so you can see even on the planet, you know, when the, the space is polluted, and I'm not talking now, you know, environmentally, I'm really talking between people, there's fragmentation, there's division. People begin to see, you know, what is different between me and you, and I don't like you. When the space is held as sacred and people really honor each other, what begins to automatically happen is unification, wholeness. People come together. They see what unites them rather than what divides them. And you can see in the, you, really what you said was right in the current atmosphere of our world. There is enormous division that is a direct result of the pollution of our emotional space and our relational space. And so learning how to make that space safe and sacred has an amazing result because it goes right against what causes wars, you know. And what I like to say is that the space between the couple is the playground of the child. And so it's also true about our world that the space between the citizens of our world is the playground of all our children. And if we hold it sacred and if we know how to make it fertile and deep and meaningful, we'll have a very different planet. Now, you know, I'm going to tell you, we only need 90 million couples 
to cross the bridge, to learn how to cross the bridge to each other. And we will have a tipping point and our planet will have a positive epidemic of a sacred relational space. So I'm extremely committed to get to 90 million couples. So you think, so is that, is, so is that just, that's on a planetary? Is that like, so that'd be 200 that's million planetary. people and that's, you know, yeah. whatever percentage of the population and that'll get us to the point that. It's 3%, it's 3% of the population. So the, the research has shown when 3% of the population does something, it becomes a positive epidemic. Wow. And, and so I, I'm amazingly committed. You know, I really, really want to see our planet suddenly shift where people begin to really honor each other in, in their deep humanity. So, Darren, you were saying it not only in your intimate relationship, but this seems to be something you've been thinking about in all your daily relationships, too. So maybe you guys can touch on that. So is that what you meant, too, that there's a you're noticing a space between all in all your relationships? Then? Well, I think it is. I can't remember. Now, I can't remember who I was listening to or what book I was listening to or what it was. But it, it was kind of that same concept. And it, and it broke down, you know, everything is you can kind of break down your entire it, your entire reality into one-on-one -on -one relationships, you know, one-on-one -on -one relationship with Graham, one-on-one -on -one relationship with Hetty, a one-on-one -on -one relationship with each of my children, you know, and, and then, but I get stuck there too, because it's like, obviously there's some group dynamics as well to it. So, uh, I don't know exactly how that looks, but I can definitely see how, you know, maybe, a country could have that or a workplace or, or, and then that's broken down into a bunch of interweaving little, and you start to see all these little crisscrossing lines all over the place sort of thing, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And, you know, I was thinking, uh, going back because I just did this training in Sedona, Arizona, this training for people who present. And I start by having them choose a person who somehow on this particular day is dressed just like they are. So it's very funny because suddenly people who have come to this serious lecture arrive and they look for somebody in the room who's got the same clothing approximately, etc. And then I teach them a very fun game in which you, I teach them three gestures, the tiger, the rock star, the person. And they then stand back to back and then I say one, two, three, and they've got to turn around, face each other, and do the exact same gesture as each other. So, so sort of be psychically connected. And what's interesting is that these people came for a two-day retreat to learn how to present. And suddenly they're playing with a partner and they're laughing. And then I have them talk a little bit about each, the symbol of each one. The tiger is the part of you that has a very big vision and you are committed to that vision. The rock star is the person in you that can take any obstacle in your life and turn it into a launching pad. The person is the part of you that is connected to others, open and compassionate. And I have them talk a little bit to each other. Who am I these days? Am I more of the tiger? Am I more with a big vision out there and relentlessly pushing forward? Am I more the rock star? Do I have some struggles and obstacles that I want to turn around and see as opportunities? Am I more the person? Am I more connected, you know, more focused on connection right now? And so they talk a little bit. And when they're done with that, 
I ask them, how is the relational space between us now? And the words are amazing. It's safe, it's fun, it's energized, it's, it's full of laughter, it's creative, it's open, it's, you know, the people, I put all the words on, and then I say to them, as a speaker, you are responsible for the quality of the space between. You may not think of that space, you may think of each person who's here, but what you really are doing is you're creating a safe, fertile, energized space, and you take responsibility for it. And the way I did it, I tell them, is by creating a wonderful game you've just enjoyed. What it did is it filled the space and made it, made it a happy space of joy and creativity. And so, you know, it's not just between a couple. Yes, certainly it is between a couple. It isn't just in a family, but you can see that you can take a bunch of strangers and you can suddenly create between them a completely new atmosphere that none of them expected and that they just stepped into. All of them dropped, you know, whatever fear they came in with or posture they were came in with. All that was gone, and we just had the people who were there, and we can that we could then start our workshop. So you know, it's really the space between us is invisible, but it is palpable. And when you go to a home where a couple has had a fight, and they love you, and when you come in, they go, "Hey, Darren. Hey, Graham," but you know that there's toxicity in the space. Because even though it's invisible, it's palpable. You can feel it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can really, yeah, you can feel energy from people for sure. So what would be a, what would be a key thing, what would be a key way to take responsibility for your space? Let's say in, in, a, in a normal day-to-day social work environment kind of thing. So not necessarily with an intimate couple, but how do I, how do I <clears throat> create my own inviting space instead of being all you know, tense and, uh, and stressed about it, let's say. Yeah. You know, one very good way to enrich the space is through appreciation. So it's, you know, we started out with the word criticism. Yeah. yeah. And so here is really the very opposite. To really always look for what is it in the other that I can Appreciate. Yeah, yeah. Or and then actually tell the person about it. And I want to give you a very interesting example. My husband is in the hospital right now. And uh, the good news is he's coming home on Monday and he's doing a lot better. But he, he's taken care of by nurses. And there was one nurse, a man, who constantly does jokes, but they're, they're not in good taste and they're, they're a little bit caustic kind of it's a caustic kind of humor and i realized that i was starting to resent him and dread him and if i resent him and i dread him i'm putting resentment and dread into the space between me and him and so i decided that morning that on my way to the hospital i was going to think about what is it that that man is trying to do what is it what is something i really appreciate about him and what I realized was that even though it's a bit clumsy, what he's really trying to do is make us smile. He really wants to give us something to be happy about. 
And so I decided that I was going to go and tell him that. And luckily, when I arrived, my husband was sleeping and he was the one sitting outside of his room. And I said, Jeff, you know, I've been thinking about you and I've noticed something. I noticed that at all times, you want to make us smile. You'll always find something to say so that we smile. And I know you do this because you know this is a tough time for us. We're challenged here. You mean it's not well. And you are always making sure, one way or another, and I can see you think about it, to say something that really will lighten the atmosphere. And what was interesting was, he said to me, for the first time, really seriously, you're right. I do want you guys to smile. And I do want to give you a good feeling. And it was so amazing because instead of focusing on my resentment and my dread, I focused on the underlying cause that has him say whatever he says. And what was amazing is that in the safety of the space that was between us at that moment, he became much more tender. It was as if the essence of who he is actually began to show up. And it's really interesting to see how once you create safety, and I created safety simply by putting something different in the space between us. Before, I put resentment and dread. Now I put appreciation. But by putting that appreciation, what came from him was different. And yeah. so here's an example, you know, that's just with a, with a, with a nurse in a hospital. So I mean, that goes back to the golden rule, I guess, kind of in a lot of ways. It's like these underlying rules that you could extrapolate out to, you know, mean these sorts of things. It's like just treat others the way you want to be treated. Yes, definitely. And you know, as I'm giving you this example, I want to give you another amazing example that I'll never forget. I was in Stockholm many, many years ago. It was 1994. And Scandinavian Airlines was having a strike. And I needed to get back to the States. And so I called them and they said, come at three o'clock in the morning, you'd stand in line. Anyway, I came and there were like hundreds of people there in line. But the second guy didn't want to wait any longer. And he gave me his number, number two. So I was in front of the counter. Anyway, the number one goes away. I'm now in front of the counter. The lady looks at my tickets and she shouts at me. You have two tickets and there's absolutely nothing I can do for you. Well, now when somebody shouts at you, the old part of the brain, the reptilian brain goes danger, danger, danger. And you've got to breathe very deeply if you really want to stay there and be human and fill the space with something different. So I took a deep, deep breath. And then I crossed the bridge in my heart to the world where she was. And I landed in the neighborhood of exhaustion. I could tell this woman was exhausted. And so then I did what I teach people in, in a very compassionate voice. I said exactly what she said to me. I said, I hear you say that I have two tickets and there's really nothing you can do for me. And then she looked up because I don't think she had heard like a human voice <laughs> in a while. So she looked up at me and now we're eyeball to eyeball. And she says, no, I haven't slept in two days. And look at the, look at the line I'm going to have to deal with. And I had known that. I felt that she hadn't slept in two days or even more. And so now we're looking at each other 
And I'm taking a deep breath again. And then I did the same thing that I teach. I was really listening. I said, you know, you, you're really tired. You haven't slept in two days and you've got this enormous line to deal with. Now she's smiling at me like, you know, like, who is this woman, you know? And she's smiling at me and I'm smiling at her. And she says, in a very normal voice, she says, I'm so sorry, I can't do anything for you. And we're like smiling at each other. And I said, yeah, you know, you're sorry that actually you can't do anything for me. She looks at me and she says, maybe I can. She closes the counter. She disappears for 20 minutes. She comes back. She says, here is a gift to you. <laughs> it's a ticket, Oslo, New York. You know, SAS is losing millions. What's one gift to a nice person? And the idea here is that had I not crossed the bridge, had I been reactive back, nothing good would have happened. But just my willingness to just be with her for a moment allowed her central nervous system to calm down. Mine, I, I helped mine calm down by just being with her. I helped her calm her central nervous system down. And once she was calm, she could be herself. Who is she? Like all of us, a generous human being when we are who we are in our essence. And so I'm saying, I like to say that what I first encountered was her survival pattern. She was in survival. She was exhausted. She had a line of hundreds of people waiting to knock at that counter. But once she made a connection with me and the, safe, the space was safe, who I met was her essence, not her survival pattern, but her true essence. And I've never forgotten her, and I bet you she's never forgotten me. That's, a, that's amazing. I was going to, um, that's kind of like, um, it's sort of along the lines, I lost my train of thought. There. Well, I was going to ask that question, actually, that you already answered, is what to do, like, starting from a place of appreciation is one thing, but how do you diffuse the conflict? And you just answered it. And it, yes. it's just being being very present, it seems to me, with, with people. It reminds me of some of Eckhart Tolle's work, too, is, is diffusing that by just being intensely present with somebody. Exactly and, right. And you know, the word present is such a good one, because what it really means is that, for example, for me to be present with her yeah. meant to let myself feel her in the moment, yeah. you know, and I felt because as humans, we know each other. We've got, we've got little tentacles that, you know, touch each other. I could feel her exhaustion, you know? And so it's true about Edgar Tolley. It's being in the now, mm -hmm. completely present, in this case, with the other. But also with myself, because I had to deep breathe after I got, you know, after she shouted, I had to breathe deeply to come back to the present, yeah. to be with her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. So obviously some people, this comes more naturally to than others. Is that Absolutely. a cultural thing or, or is that, you know, obviously maybe a, a parenting thing or how you're raised or? Uh, I think that you're pointing to something very important. I think humans who grow up in joyful, loving, caring environments more naturally are present and more naturally know the essence of the other and can reach out that way. People who live in more difficult environments where there's hurt, where there's abuse, where there's trauma, it's harder 
it's harder, but I do believe that every single human being can learn this level of presence with one another. But you're absolutely right. I think it, it comes naturally. But you know, I'm going to tell you another example because a student of ours in Israel decided to teach the bridge in kindergarten. And so she has these little three-year-olds cross the bridge if they're going to have a conflict. And so she's got these two little guys, and she's got a video of it, where one little guy, you know, you know they speak Hebrew to each other, you took my teddy bear away. And so the other little kid is over the bridge and says, I hear you say, I took your teddy bear away. He says, yes. And it's my teddy bear. It's not your teddy bear. As this little guy goes, it's your teddy bear. It's not my teddy bear. He says, yes. He says, well, tell me more. He says, give me back my bear. <laughs> he says, I hear you say I should give you back the bear. He takes the bear and he gives it back. <laughs> and it was just gorgeous to watch this little interaction in which one little kid got to say his truth and the other little kid got to be really present there. And so very naturally, he just gave back the little teddy bear. So, you know, it's sort of, it's our essence to be present that way. But sometimes we have to learn it. And or, it was clear, or, these little guys. Yeah, or relearn it. Or relearn it. I yeah. mean, and a lot of us, I mean, a lot of people are coming out of, uh, coming out of trauma themselves, maybe, or out of single fat parent homes, or out of divorce, or, or out of abuse, or or whatever yeah. else. So it's that much, that much harder to battle through. Um, exactly. Now you yeah. touched on the central you, nervous. Sorry, go ahead. It, yet I was going to say it's natural for us as humans. So we can all learn for some of us. It comes naturally for some of us. We really have to learn, but yes, it's natural. You want to say something about the central nervous system. Yeah. You speaking of trauma and you touched on the central nervous system, uh, earlier enough, if I'm correct, I've heard you speak before about how you feel it's uh, you need uh, the central nervous system. You need uh, relate. You need another person to to. Yeah. Um, can, can you kind of? I'm I'm doing a bad job here, but can you kind of explain that for us? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, there's more and more studies on the brain now, and there's a new science called relational neurobiology. And it is the science of what happens to our brain in relationships. And what they've discovered is that, first of all, the brain is the only organ that doesn't regulate from within. Our heart regulates from within, our lungs, our kidneys, our intestines, you know, all our organs regulate from within. Our brain needs another brain to regulate. It's as if we need the eyes of another so that our central nervous system can calm down. And it is only when another is there. So sometimes it can be a dog. You know, dogs are wonderful creatures to assist us in regulating on the, on the, on the inside. We need another. And so what happens when someone looks at us with compassion and soft eyes and acceptance, when somebody looks at us that way, our limbic system, which is the seat of emotion in our brain, and their limbic system, the seat of emotions in their brain, 
our two, two limbic systems resonate together. There's a resonance. It's called limbic resonance. And when limbic resonance gets established, then the two central nervous systems calm down. And they call this, in the science now, the brain bridge. So between humans, there is a natural brain bridge. It occurred between me and the woman of Scandinavian airline. When we looked into each other's eyes and we smiled, her limbic system and my limbic system started to resonate together. And we had what's called limbic resonance with each other. And when that occurs, the central nervous system of both people calms down. So she calmed down fully, I calmed down fully. And when you are fully calmed down, you can be who you really are. So she was the generous person she normally is. So it's in our brains. And a child, for example, will need our eyes. We can't say to a kid, you know, go to your room, close the door and figure this out and come when you're calm because they need us, our eyes, our understanding, our tender face. They need us for their central nervous system to calm down. What about when they don't want to like, when my, when my, my daughter's freaking out and she's, you know, she just wants to get away from me. Is there you have any tips for how I can, how I can, <laughs> yes. I mean, first you, I need to calm myself down, but once I get there. Exactly. You need to breathe. You need to remember why you love her so much. You need to see her in her essence. And by that, I mean the sweetest part of her. And then when she looks at your face and she sees you that way, you'll be surprised. She'll look again. And then she looks again. She may start shouting. She may start crying. But she'll know you're right there. You're staying present with her. You're not running away from her. And you're not reacting. So it's breathe, breathing deeply and remembering at that time, at that time, why you love her so much. And then cross, so she the, and then cross the bridge. <laughs> Exactly, and then cross the bridge in your can, heart to where she might be. Can you talk about crossing the bridge a little bit more? Because we've said it a couple times now, and I'm, just for people to understand what you mean by when you connect in this resonance, then you cross the bridge. Exactly. So what I like to teach are the three invisible connectors, because what totally disconnects us is our survival dance when we are reacting to each other. But what connects us? So first of all, it's knowing there is a space between us that we want to hold sacred. Second of all, there's a bridge. There's an invisible bridge between people. And that bridge leads me from my world to your world and leads you from your world to my world. And when we cross the bridge, that third invisible connector is what's called the encounter. The encounter is when Two people really feel connected. I mean, it happened very fast with me, with that woman in the airport. At the end, we felt totally connected, and that's called the encounter. So there is the relational space, there's the bridge, and then there is the encounter. Now, what does the bridge do? So if I really want to know you, I'm going to need to leave the world called Haiti and come over the bridge to the world called Graham, and then. When you talk, all that exists for me is what you're telling me. I've left my own projections and 
and uh, ideas and stories and I basically have left the past. That's why Edgar Tolley is so smart when he talks about now, because when I cross the bridge, I'm now. I'm here now with you. And everything that's me is in the past. So I leave the past so that I can be here now with you. And when I am now with you, what you say, I take in deeply. I let it penetrate. And I let it penetrate so deeply that I will repeat it when I have allowed it to come in. And so I'm going to give you an example between me and my husband. My husband, um, many years ago, had some stents put into him. He had a heart attack, and then he had a quadruple bypass, and then he had some stents. And the doctor told me, told him, listen, don't travel, take a rest. You really need that stent to take hold. And when we came home, my husband said, you know what? I'm going to travel. I'm going to, first of all, we're going to go visit my father. His father was at the time 103 years old, and he absolutely wanted to visit his father. And he said, and I want to go to South Africa. We have a plan, and let's go. No way. Anyway, we began to have a struggle over it because I felt like I was right and that he was really not being smart. Anyway, I realized he and I need to cross the bridge over there. And so we sat across from each other. And for bridging, you sit very close, 18 inches. Would it be pre-planned? Say it again? Would, it, would that be pre-planned? Like, would you guys... Yes, we Like, decided, you don't just go into it. You say, we're going to sit down and we're going to cross exactly. the bridge. We, we said like this, instead of fighting, let's do what we're teaching. Let's cross the bridge to each other. And so we sat across from each other, really at 18 inches, so we, we could... At 18 inches, all you see is the face of the other. When babies are born, we look at them at 18 inches and they look at us. And at 18 inches, all you see is the face of the other. Little babies are masters of the face because they're always looking at the face close, close up like that. So we sat down this way and then we made a decision. Who's going to be the first host? That means I'm inviting you. And who's going to be the first visitor? That means I'm coming over. And I asked my husband if I could be the first host. And he said, absolutely. And he came over the bridge. And when he landed in my world and I looked in his eyes, I started sobbing. And I said to him, don't die. I'm terribly afraid of losing you. Don't die. And he just held me for a long, long time. And all he repeated was what I said is so you're really afraid to lose me and you absolutely don't want me to die. And I sobbed for a long time and he held me. And then I felt done. You know, I felt like I had sobbed it all out and it was my turn to be a visitor in his world. And he was the host. And so he called me over and I crossed the bridge and I landed in his world. And he said three things that have actually changed my life. The first thing he said is, Haiti, I am not a heart. I am a man with a heart. And when he said that, I understood that I had objectified him. You know, you can see another person as a person or you can see them as an object. And what I had done to the man I love the most in the whole entire world is I objectified him. I made him into a heart. All I could see was his heart. And I was afraid for that heart. 
But he was reminding me, I am a man with a heart. And I saw that, you know, the moment you objectify the other, you control them because I was going to control that heart. And so when I understood what he was telling me, I repeated it. I, I hear you say that you are not a heart. You are a man with a heart. But that's right. And then I said, tell me more. And then he said, that man with that heart wants to say yes to the question, is this a good day to die? And when he said that, I understood that he didn't want to be half dead. Because you know what? When you're half dead, it's not a good day to die. It's a good day to die when you're alive and you're doing your life and you're passionate and doing exactly what you love doing. Then, if death comes, you've lived completely. And so I understood that I was so afraid to lose him that I would rather have him half dead and his body be there than completely dead and I've got no husbands left. So I repeated his statement. The man with the heart that you are wants to say yes to the question, is this a good day to die? And so he said the third thing, and that man with that heart wants to go to South Africa. And so we went. And we had the best trip we've ever had. It was his 70th birthday. And somehow we got upgraded to a suite. We've never even seen one like this. And on the way back, upgraded to first class in South African Airlines. And it was as if having come to understand what he expressed to me and also understand how afraid I am to lose him with that knowledge we arrived at something I call the third option. If there are two options, pick the third. The third option was for us to recreate that trip so it was an easier trip than the one we had planned and a trip we could both stand behind and that it just became a magnificent trip. And so this is what you do when you cross the bridge. There's a host and there's a visitor. The host invites you into their world, into a neighborhood, like the neighborhood I invited Yumi in was, I'm afraid to lose you. Yumi invited me into the neighborhood, I'm a man with a heart, not a heart. And that man wants to live passionately. So he, when he was the host, that was the neighborhood. When I was the host, that was the neighborhood. And that's what you do when you cross the bridge. You're a host, you're a visitor and you invite each other into the neighborhoods you live in. So that means there's no but, there's no well I, or there's no denying the other person they're hurt or whatever it may be. Exactly, no buts, no, you know, no uh, trying to put in your point of view. You really are learning them. You're a visitor, you're a tourist in their world, and of course you don't rearrange their world, it's their world. That's and an interesting way to look at it, like you're a guest in their home. And, and if you were butting or, or, or making excuses or not taking responsibility, then you're polluting the space, I guess. Exactly. Well, I don't That's even think you get the option to take responsibility. You just, you just, you just take it. Yeah. You get to take the responsibility when you get back over to the other side of the bridge. Right. Right. And you know, if you are not changed by the time you come back to your own world, if, if that visit didn't change you, you didn't really visit <laughs> because it's transformative to hear another person. So, for example, for Yumi, understanding the depth of my fear of losing him 
was profoundly transformative. And for me, learning about the passionate guy I'm married to, who's not going to stop till he lives passionately every day of his life, you know, that was transformative for me. And, and of course, I was willing to take that wonderful trip with this amazing guy. So um, some tricks for crossing the bridge. Like that's obviously you want to go into that in the right mindset. If, so if like say you're, you're in, a, in a bit of a tough tussle, you're not getting along, you're arguing or fighting, is it best to maybe schedule that trip for a couple days later? Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you say because studies on the brain have shown that when you flip your lid, now flipping the lid means that the, the frontal lobes suddenly are not integrated with the whole brain. The frontal lobe is where you do your thinking and you're thinking about your thinking. But when you flip your lid, when you're in a tiff, when you're in a struggle, when you are in a conflict, it's as if that part of the brain sort of disconnects and there's no blood flow between the older part of the brain and the newer part of the brain, which is your frontal lobes. And it takes, on the average, 20 minutes for your brain to reintegrate. So for 20 minutes, you cannot think well. So if you're in a tiff, it's good to wait 20 minutes. You know, after 20 minutes, if you hold on to it longer, you're holding on to it. But for 20 minutes, it takes that long for the brain to integrate. But what's very interesting is the more often you cross the bridge, the more new neural pathways are created in your brain. And those new neural pathways allow the blood flow to continue. And so you are less and less reactive. Your brain becomes more and more relational so that when you're in a tiff, it only takes you 10 minutes. And then if you're in a tiff, it only takes you five minutes. And then slowly but surely, you're not in a tiff anymore because you have a relational brain. And so I like to say that we are each other's sculptors of each other's brain. We sculpt each other's brain. If we are willing to cross the bridge, we will get new neural pathways for a more relational, less reactive, more intentional brain. That's something to really consider because, um, you know, if I, if I get in the habit of constantly letting my kids get on my nerves, then that's going to wire those neurons too, right? So you got to be exactly hyper aware right. of that. Yep, exactly right. And the more you are willing when your kids, you know, get you mad, the more you're willing to say, wait a minute, let me see what's cooking for them. Let me cross that bridge in my heart and see what just got triggered for them. The more you can do that, the more your brain develops into a relational brain. How, yeah. much, how much of this is based on the heart? Like we had, we had the heart math guys on a little while ago, and there's all this science now that the heart is really an underrated organ, and it's got this electromagnetic spectrum that when Darren and I are sitting here, maybe our heart spectrums are overlapping. Like, is that part of this space as well? I mean, well, there's been a lot of the resonance of the brain, but how about the heart? Absolutely. I mean, we're one integral whole, and yeah. I'm, I'm, the lobby, you know, the penthouse, the lobby, the basement, all right, that right, nothing. Right. We are integrated beings. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. So it seems like, you know, it seems like this kind of stuff was probably 
common knowledge maybe a couple thousand years ago um when we didn't have i mean because we're we're living in the age of hyper distractions you know cell phones and bills and you name it you know something's always calling for our attention so i mean do you think this is yeah Yeah, and it's interesting you say this because i was telling you about the training i just did in sedona and we had a young woman there 25 she was the youngest one of our community and she gave a little lecture that was very powerful talked about how in her five years ago she used to be able to go to a concert and people didn't have their cell phones and people listened to the music and people jive together and she could feel the energy of connection and she said two three years later would go to the concert and people had their phones there and taking pictures and videos and being inside and she felt like a great deal of the connection that really used to occur in these concerts was gone and that in the group in which she was learning how to present to an audience she felt that same connection again that sort of community feeling where everybody is there to support everybody to be with everybody to rejoice in the other's strength and encourage them you know that's what really was occurring in this training and that she reconnected with what she had been longing for for her, this new way of being inside of a screen made her long tremendously for connection. And it was beautiful because she's 25 and she lives a reality that I certainly haven't known as as a younger person. You know, we didn't have any cell phones. And her longing for the, for group connection that she had known earlier in her life. And it's weird because in some ways we're hyper-connected, you know, and it's like, you want to keep some of it, right? Because without some of it, we don't get to talk to Haiti and we don't get to have these great conversations. Yeah, and people, people are listening don't, on their phones. People are listening right now and they're, they're listening on these phones and it's changing people's lives. But how it's do you divide that? It's very, very true. And to find the balance, like when when we started, you guys were sitting on your chairs, you were so far away. I couldn't connect with you. You know, you needed to do what you did, which is somehow you got on your screens and I see you much better. And I feel like I, you know, I have a sense of you. Away there, I had absolutely no sense of you. And so I think we have to combine, you know, the capacity. I mean, I would love your faces to be even closer and I would love to be able to make eye contact because I find that I am more inspired when your eyes are available to me. And, uh, you know, and so I think we're going to have to be very thoughtful about what creates connection and the longing that all of us have for connection. and really make sure that the screen doesn't take over it's practical but it can't take over it can't be it can't replace real eyeball to eyeball heart to heart basement to basement connection you know that's where the advent of these things like facetime and stuff like that really are are valuable i mean you can see that because people haven't equated that 
talking on the phone yet, but there's a level of disconnect there too that people sort of took for granted because it's been around for so long, but right. you really notice it when it gets down to pressing numbers with your thumbs. And I mean, I mean, today I can get caught up and it ruins my day where, 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 you know, the social media is good for that, right? You get on Twitter and you start, someone tweets something and you're like, oh, you son of a bitch. And then, you know, all of a sudden your headspace is polluted from some numbers on a screen. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I am embarrassed to tell you that I don't have a Twitter account and uh, I have a Facebook page, but it's being handled. I'm not entering it. I mean, I'm, I'm very much a 20th century person or very much a 22nd century person. The century where we will come back to each other and we will cross the bridge to each other and we'll look into each other's eyes and we'll hold hands and we'll, you know, do all the human things that we need to do. So I'm, I'm very much a 22nd, let's call it the 22nd century. I could see that. I mean, there seems to be some movement back to that already. Like definitely like we do another show where that's, you know, basically focused on personal questions and feelings for men and stuff like that. And that's been more popular than we would have thought was, was possible. Right. And we do shows like this and they're more popular than we thought they, they right. would be. So there's a yearning for this out there and people are just starting to get comfortable talking about it. So, I mean, exactly. I don't, I don't think your goal is, is out of the realm of possibility. Right. Right. And a yearning is a good word. We long for, we yearn. And this young woman, the 25-year-old, was yearning for these concerts she used to go to, where she felt a connection with the hundreds and hundreds because they were together and nobody was escaping to any other spot. They were there. They were present. You know that word again. They were present at the concert. And, uh, and she's yearning for that kind of, it's called entrainment, entrainment. You know that word? It's like birds. You know how you see a flock of birds and they go together, they turn together, and fish in the sea, you yeah. know how they go like this? Well, people also get entrained. And concerts are beautiful places where if people are really present, they'll get into entrainment. And they'll be just together. And that feeling is awesome. Yeah. Do you have or, a, go ahead. I was going to say a jazz, a jazz ensemble or suddenly they'll be in entrainment and you can feel it or even a sports team, you know, the sports team that gets into entrainment, they'll win because the, it's that magical wordless connectedness in which they're now one. You can definitely notice when you're in that environment or when, you know, yes. when, so, I mean, that, that stuff's all real easy when you're in that environment. I think it's been, you know, that's not, it's definitely not something we learn coming up these days. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm 38, I think I'm 38 and I'm just sorting this stuff out now, you know, just starting when I was, you know, in my late thirties, what, uh, so, I mean, there's some hope that that'll get into the kids a little bit, hopefully, but what are some tricks, you know, where can our listeners start? Because there's a ton, we get emails all the time from there's couples that listens to the show together. And you know, I assume most of our listeners have a significant other. So where, what's an easy way to sort of get into that space for, for someone that's coming into it with, with, I mean, Graham and I have both done a little bit of work, but I mean, let's assume someone's just coming in 
off the street. They're just, you know, they're, they're pissed off. They're watching cable most of the time, watching sitcoms, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, where, where's the, where's the entry level for someone who's, you know, as far mm-hmm. away from, from your position as, as they can yeah. be. You know, I really recommend that TED talk that you watched, um, because it's very basic, you know, uh, Explains in a very basic way. I start, I think you remember, with how I polluted the space between me and my mom. That's I would right. Visit, I would visit her in the old age home, and I was so mad that she was there and that she was alone, and she's my hero, and why is she there? And, and I would pollute the space because all I put in there was my own disappointment and anger and guilt. And I finally decided one day I'm just going to cross the bridge to be with her. And so I crossed and I left my world, you know, my neighborhood of guilt and, and anger and upset. And I just landed with my mom and I looked in her eyes and she looked in mine. And suddenly she said in Yiddish, mein Tochter, you are my daughter. She recognized me. She hadn't recognized me for months. But she hadn't recognized me because I, I didn't show up. I wasn't in her world. And suddenly, just landing there and looking in her eyes and just being quiet and loving and breathing and looking at her, she saw me and recognized me. And so every time after that, when I went to visit her, I just crossed the bridge to be with her. And we sang together and she held my face and Sometimes I would cry and she'd wipe my tears. So there was between us a connection that could only occur when I was willing to leave every neighborhood of my world and come over and be with her. And that was really for me a a real beginning to understand the simplicity and depth of crossing the bridge. It's to be with the other. And uh, I think the TED Talk that I did is a wonderful way for people to begin to understand the basics. After that, there's a lot of YouTubes on my website that people can begin to look into and actually learn from. You know, just watch another couple cross the bridge and it'll show you how you do it and you will identify because, you know, couples are couples are couples. So that's a very good way to enter into how to the how to of it what about the personal daily practice like do you have anything that you you do that practice that you know helps you stay in the moment or get in the moment like any meditation or prayer or do you recommend anything like that for people that they can do it on their own as well you know you're talking about two very important parts of life one is prayer and uh, I love to pray you know, I, I, I pray very simply. I, I speak, you know. I, my prayer has two parts. One is gratitude. Mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful, you know, to be alive, to have a husband, to have kids, to have grandkids, to, uh, to be married on Sunday. It'll be 54 years. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> So grateful, you know, for life itself. And my, a lot of my prayer is gratitude. And I think that that piece 
is a wonderful piece for people to land into their real life. To begin to look around and to just give thanks. You know, I'm thinking right now, there's a lovely book by Anne Lamott, and it's called Help, Thanks, Wow. And I was heading that way. She says, one very big thing, and that's also part of prayer, is asking for help. And it's so important to be able to turn to the people who are in our life and be vulnerable enough to say, you know, I need you. I need some help right here. And so that's one big piece of prayer is help. But the other one is thanks. And the importance of really looking around us and just counting our blessings. You know, some people make it a practice every night in a journal, mm -hmm. three gratitudes. And then the last one is wow. And wow is to be amazed at life itself, at children, at nature, at the springtime, at, you know, it's, it's the wow kind of expression of life. And those three, she says, when you do those three, you're in the present. Help, thanks, wow. Yeah, that it's makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, they've shown that gratitude being in a state of gratitude changes your physiology. And we just had, yeah. a, we just had a guest on who did the documentary. You are what you act and saying, wow, like we were actually practicing oh, yeah. that in the, exactly. in the show. It changes the way you feel. And really, if you act like, wow, it does change you. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those three, you could call them prayer. Yeah. Help. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's important. I mean, people should go check out those videos because that's, you know, it's something that, you know, I think everyone's sort of guilty of taking for granted are those, those, those important relationships, you know, especially the people closest to you. You don't, you know, you never think you take them for granted on the levels of that. They're going to be around all the time and not even on the level that you're leaving a lot on the table if you're not doing this kind of stuff. And I mean, especially when you look at, you know, the books coming out on, the opposite of addiction is connection. The opposite of this is connection. You know, suicide's yeah. a connection problem. Drinking's a connection. You know, they're saying everything. It all seems to go back to this lack of connection and community. Yeah. And you know, what's important here is to the, the view that I have is that we are born in connection. That this connection isn't really natural for us. It happens from hurt. And then reconnection heals us. You're, so we are connected beings. That a baby born is already connected. And when you continue to stay connected, then you're just in your essence. And you can always come back to your essence and reconnect. So it is our essential nature as human beings. We are connected beings. Yeah, that's that's mind blowing. Yeah, it makes it's important. Sense. Yep, it's important. Any um, before we wrap up here, is there any any closing uh, nuggets you can drop on us, especially for? I mean, I, I think I, a lot of this stuff is sort of um, not in our regular wheelhouse. So this is, I mean, whenever we do a show like this, we assume that most of the audiences is going to be fairly fresh for. Let's see. Let's see. What is it that I would like? to give as a closing uh, 
before you do that, I do have another question though. Okay. Before you might, it might create a little bit of space here too. Is there, with all the couples that you've seen and all that, is there soul mates, that type of thing? Like, have you met couples that they just, they resonate like right away with each other. They kind of are on the same kind of wavelength. They have that automatic, that space in between them is, is there. It's easier to cross the bridge. Like, what are, do people are, are some people always connected with the bridge and you don't have to cross over? You have to cross over. Yeah. You know why? I'll tell you because people, even when they're soulmates, yeah. are, diff- are different. Yeah. And they have a different language. I say that a good marriage is bilingual, that you learn the language of your partner. So, for example, I speak Hadish. But I also speak Yumish. You see, my husband Yumi, I speak his language because I've learned it. And so people are, especially if you fall in love, you're going to be incompatible. You're going to be different. As a matter of fact, the grandmother of a friend used to say, if the two of you are the same, one of you is superfluous. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you... A couple are two very different people, two very different cultures, two very different languages. And so you really have to be able to cross, to get to know who this other person is. And in knowing them and embracing the difference, you grow and you flourish and you become your potential, you know? And so maybe that's what I would like to finish with that. You know, we have an unlimited potential as humans of intelligence and creativity and funniness and learning capacity and and depth. And we have an unlimited potential. And it's in a deep, connected relationship that we create a little laboratory to claim our potential. And my vision is that our planet will be populated by these little laboratories where everybody is committed to help each other claim their full humanity and their full potential. And so when we have a planet that's got these little living laboratories all over the place, everyone helping each other, claiming your fullness and your aliveness, we will have a very good planet. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's something to look forward to, you know, getting to that, getting to that place. I mean, I think the world needs it now, you know, more than ever. I mean, it's, you know, we got divorce rates that are crazy and you got people fighting in the streets and, and it's just, it's a mess. There couldn't be better timing for a show like this. Yeah. Let's get to that 90 million. Yes. Amen to that. I enjoyed this so much getting to know you guys a little bit. Yeah, here. thank you. Love your style, you know, relaxed and and just uh, conversational, and it, I enjoyed it very, very much. Great. And I thank you for this time. Yeah, thank you. Oh very yeah, much thank for you for on. coming awesome. on. We'll link to the TED Talk in the show notes and your website yeah. and all of that stuff for sure. It'll all be in the Good. show notes. And, yeah. and I, like I say, I think it's important people check that out and make sure. Uh, you know, it's time to get our shit together. Yeah. You know, we've got through the industrial revolution <laughs> and all this other stuff. I agree with you more, Darren. Okay, well, Garen, awesome. get nice right to on. You. Come back anytime. Uh, okay. Bye bye.
And that was our chat with Haiti Slicer. Hey, you got the name Fleischer. right. Attaboy. I got the wrong name. So that was interesting. Nice quick thinking on the face cams, eh? Yeah, that was good. Zoom, yeah. zoom, zoom doesn't make it easy. No, it's that was pretty too good, bad. Though. It's such a yeah. resource hog. That's the problem. Yeah. Because it just chews things up. Anyway, yeah. Uh, huge thanks to Hetty for coming on the show. Uh, we apologize for messing up her name a couple of times. <laughs> and I got it wrong in the outro too. Schleifer. I got the last name wrong this time. So, oh, yeah. I wouldn't. I just would have not went with the last name. Just don't criticize me. Just be constructive. I'm, Ask I'm, me at a least on instead. this episode. I won't say. What do you think her name says? Well, how do you, <laughs> how think, do you think it's think pronounced? It's <laughs> <laughs> that could come off as. You know what is uh, interesting is if, if you don't do that with all your compassion, you're going to come off as a dick. If you don't do what. You know, like when you do that, repeating what people say and stuff like that, like you've got to, you can't half so? ass that. Oh, you think? Yeah, maybe, eh? Like, can you? Because you might come across a little bit. So what you're telling me is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could come off, you could come off as condescending, right? You've got to make sure you're doing the eye contact and doing everything else. So what I hear you say is. Yeah, right. You think I'm a jerk <laughs> or whatever. You, could, you yeah. could see it if you yeah. don't, you can't, you can't uh, half ass it. Did you guys learn that in your, that Imago in your couple's stuff too? Imago? That's the name of this repeating back and forth, like the type of Imago We learned out it is, is like, compassionate communication. Okay. Because it would be like, so Darren, I heard that you learned compassionate communication. So what I hear is you learned compa compassionate communication. No, I'm learning. You, I'm trying to learn. So what you're saying is you're trying to learn. So <laughs> that's it'd be it. that, like that's, yeah. that's Imago or whatever. That's what, that's how I learned it. But now it might be called compassionate communication. Yeah, it's hard. I mean. Or it's that's a, a derivation from it maybe. The funny thing is, is that, you know, you notice that in everything. When, once you start to focus on, like once you start to focus on how, on how, um, big a factor miscommunication is in the world and in, in anyone. That's in, what we were trying to get in, at before. In any of your relationships. Yeah, yeah you can kind of extrapolate that to all of your relationships. And it's like, then you can sort of start not trying not to get triggered, but it's like, you know, sometimes I'll see a text now, like I'll notice it in work things where I'll tell someone to do something in a text and they'll do something different. And I'm like, what? okay, I need to go back, reread my text and see. And half the time it's my fault. Yeah, it's just it's like I assumed that something. their brain's working the same as my brain, and yeah. no one's brain is working the same as yours ever. Yeah, especially not if you're and a different. You're assuming uh, that they're going to take it this way, especially with text. I mean, it can oh. really be taken, like you were saying before, if you miss a comma or a little bit of punctuation, it changes the way the sentence means. Right? Is that a question or a statement? Like the text you take in your own space. So wherever you're at, yeah. You'll take it. You start to notice that. If you're in yeah. a great mood, all the yeah. texts are good. Yeah. If you're in a bad mood, oh, this guy. Yeah. Everyone's fucking with you. Yeah. Anyway, that was a great chat. We got to do more shows like that. You know what my daily prayer is? What? In the morning, I ask for help. In the, in the night, I say thanks. Do you? Yeah. What do you ask for help with? Stay clean and sober today. Not a boy. Why were you thinking about it? Were you thinking about not staying clean and sober? Today? No, no, no. It's just, okay. it's just, a, it's what she was saying: being vulnerable, asking for help. Because the, that's the thing what is, I you gotta stay before enough to not repeat yourself every night. What? Like you can't just keep doing the same three things. Yeah, yeah, you can. If it's that, <laughs> you, can, you can say thanks every night. Yeah, you say it, thanks every night. But shouldn't you like try and think of a new thing to be grateful for? 
Oh, that's different. That's yeah. that's the gratitude things. Okay. That's thanks is part of it, but gratitude what did you do can the, be the journal. It can what be did you do yesterday for your help? I just said thanks for help. It's thanks for helping me stay clean and sober today. Like it's thanking. What, is that, that every day? Well. Yeah, every day. That's the same one. Yeah, and some I used to do a gratitude journal. I don't anymore. Like real gratitude journal, or you know, list five things that you're grat- grateful for. That kind of stuff. I haven't done that physical, like writing down what you're grateful for. Discipline is I hard. I try and say thanks. I mean, at least every night. Tough. One of the tougher things is discipline. Whether it's exercise or journaling or yeah. yoga or, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to stick to, it seems to be. Well, we stuck to this for, I was thinking about that the other day. And like, quitting smoking. Stuck to this I was thinking that the other day. Years, it's been like, five years almost now that I quit smoking. I can't believe that. I couldn't imagine smoking again. Yeah. You know what it is? It's because they say it's they say it's ten years till your lungs are better. What really? Ten years till your lungs are fully repaired. Like you never smoked. And I was like thinking, I'm almost halfway there. And you know what? That stat used to talk me out of quitting smoking. (laughs) Because like (laughs) ten years, years, what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So it was like. I don't know if it was made to make me quit, but it didn't work. But now I'm, it's exciting to think that I'm halfway there. I'm there. there. I, I made it. Finally. My lungs are yeah, better? I think my lungs are better. I think it was like November 11th, 2011. No, 29, 20, 2009. November 999, 9, maybe September 9th, 2009, maybe. When did we start the show? 2013? Yeah. And I quit in 2015. So September, tw- so I got a few months to go maybe, yeah. So I'm not till January really. So I'll be five years in January. Yeah. That's not bad. No, it's a lot it's of good. cigarettes, it went by not fast. Smoke. I mean, you 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 got off it pretty quick. A lot of podcasts too, hundreds and hundreds and every hundreds week. of podcasts every week, free for, every more than every week. week, more than once a week for coming on six, six years. years yeah. Maybe six years. When, Holy what's our shit! Anniversary again? May. It's in like three weeks. Is it? Yeah, three weeks till the six year anniversary. Uh, Grammarica.ca slash support guys. Uh, well, by the time this comes out, oh, it'll be past. It'll it be could like, be past. Could no, be right not still it. two yeah. months. Sorry, we're still. No, no, it's April, May. It's 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 uh, it's the end of May. So yeah, yeah so a month and a half. We'll yeah. call it June first. So grammarica.ca/support guys. Maybe for a six-year anniversary, you can head over, sign up for a monthly. If you already got a monthly, maybe do a one-time donation. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. We don't care how you support us, as long as you consider us supporting us uh, monetarily. You can send us in some content. You can share the show. Uh, you know, it's getting harder and harder to share the show, especially with our more controversial content. So you should just share the show, tell your friend, share it on social media, whatever you can do to get the show out there, do everything in the show notes. What else? Sign up for the newsletter. Send uh, send some gifts to the P.O. Box if you want. Yeah, it's always fun to get stuff at the P.O. Box. Dirty socks. Leave a leave a phone, leave a voicemail or a text. Did you say that? No, I can uh, the chairs in the way of the phone 1-403-702-6083. number. 1-403-702-6083. That's right. It's a studio phone. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, we, we should, should do phone calls. One. We have, yeah. Can well, we I was that? thinking that we should do a. The thing is, you gotta like, be best to pre-plan it. I think. Well, that yeah, yeah. But yeah, we could just sit in here and take calls for a couple hours. Well, no, I'm just I meant in a show. Oh, just like have yeah. the phone on during the show. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> the next thing you know, the phone will be ringing during interviews, and we should just let its voicemail stays off unless they call in the. Oh, we could say we could say review the show. You probably oh, yeah, review the show. There's been a little bit of a stretch of reviews. We got a good one star to read on the next intro. That oh was yeah, fun. we're drowsy, drowsy Canadians, <laughs> lazy Canadians, stoned Canadians. Drowsy. Oh, drowsy was one of the, the names of one of my D and D characters. 
You should try it on drowsy. My one of my first ones in the new version. You should try it on three quarter speed and see how drowsy we sound. <laughs> anyway, just speed it up. Yeah, do all that great stuff. Check out Hetty's website. Uh, support the show. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm walking gingerly through the rat race. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. Kicking around down by the pool of narcissists. The people are many, they preen themselves. Oh, how they navel gaze. Somewhere over that hill, the gloomy skies cease to exist. I'm climbing that hill, I pass by and pity the poor Sisyphus. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. I'm strolling down a static electric avenue. The people are predictable, they say, good morning, how do you do? When out of nowhere, a randomly pure angel in the crosswalk bumps into me. And in doing so, knocks all the evil and all the wind out of me. And it's black as tar, ugly as ever, and of no apology. This angelic mama sings heavenly of the truest theology. Together we're a seraphim dream, forever young with no chronology. Thousand years from now will be written into ancient mythology. We go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. Can you tell me about the view up there? It's sparkling remarkably, the air is crystal clear. Well, please won't you tell me what it takes to transcend this place? A little bit of heart and a whole lot of soul. Take a look at the big old smile on my face. As my angel says, dance with me and your life will never, ever, ever be told. I go into hyperdrive, turn into a beam of light. 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 Turn into a beam of What? <laughs>